everybody, welcome to another episode of Classes of Mail. My name is Alan Gigax, and today we are going to talk about the things you might have missed when you read through the M41. The M41 is the official rule book for carrying the mail, covers most of our job, pretty much everything that we do, and tells you the official procedures for how this stuff is supposed to be done. At every case, there is supposed to be a copy of the M41 in that binder that is in the drawer under your case. Or you got the drawer like that you can pull out, and then there's like a blank spot to the left that has a folder in it, and the M41 is supposed to be in there, so the carriers always have access to it. It is important to read the M41 because, again, these are the official rules governing how we're supposed to do our job. And the problem with the M41 is that the last publishing that I'm aware of was in the early 2000s. And so, unfortunately, there is some stuff in there that's out of date. So, if you haven't read it recently, I'll go ahead and forgive you because... It has like a whole chapter devoted to special delivery, which ended in 1997 and was replaced with Express Mail, which in turn was replaced by Priority Express. So that part is not necessarily up to date, but it still has good stuff for you in there. So I'm going to go over some of the stuff that I found particularly interesting or that I think might be useful for you in your job. The way we're going to do this is I'm going to tell you the number for this item in the M41 and then tell you what it is. And then if it's not super obvious, then I'll talk about it as well. Let's get started. First, item number 112.25. Attend quietly and diligently to work and refrain from loud talking and the use of profane language. So what I want you to notice here is that it does not say you have to be silent. It says that you should be quiet and you should refrain from loud talking, but not silent. You are absolutely allowed to talk. So if you're at one of those stations where they try to implement their so-called golden hour, where the first hour everybody's going to be completely silent, that's bogus. That is not something that's in the rule book, and that should be grieved. Next, 112.61. Do not engage in controversies with the customers or other members of the public when on duty. So whenever you're wearing your postal uniform, you are representing the post office. So you have to be very careful what you say, what you do, especially now that you're always being recorded. So you want to stray, stay away from controversial topics like religion, politics, don't argue with people, anything that's going to piss people off, just try to steer away from it especially when you are in uniform. Next, 131.14. Line through uncanceled stamps to prevent reuse. So in your DPS, you will often see stamps that made it all the way through the system and they never got canceled. So what you're supposed to do is just take your pen out of your pocket, scribble through it to make sure that that stamp can't get reused. There are plenty of stamps that go through our system that never get canceled, like for pre-sorted mail. Mass mailers will use these stamps and they never go through our canceller system and and that's not what we're worried about because only mass mailers can use those stamps. What we're talking about here is like a forever stamp. Also, at your case, there is supposed to be an ink pad that's bolted onto your case. It's just a little black rectangle that has like four uh, raised lines on it and that is your stamp canceller. So while you're casing, if you see a stamp that hasn't been canceled, you're supposed to press it up against there, and that will cancel the stamp. 
These things do take time, but it's part of your job. That's what you're supposed to do. You get paid by the hour. Next, 131.21. This one surprised me. Do not deliver mail that has not passed through a proper delivery unit. This is something I used to get asked about in the Carrier Academy. Hey, if somebody gives me a piece of outgoing mail and I notice that it's going to the, my next street, can I just deliver it? Well, turns out the answer is no. According to 131.21, it has to go through a proper delivery unit first. So you can't just deliver that stuff later on your route. Go figure. Next, 131.22. Oh, this is a big one. Do not place letters, large flats, and other mail within the pages of magazines, catalogs, etc. at any time. This is a practice that is called collating, and it is expressly forbidden. You are not supposed to stuff things in stuff mail inside of other mail. You know, you put that that uh, social security check inside of the good housekeeping magazine. And then when the person gets the magazine, like, oh, I don't like this magazine anymore, they toss it and they just lost their check as well. So every once in a while on postal Facebook groups, Facebook groups, this will come up where people will say, oh, of course I do that practice. It makes it so much easier to deliver the mail. Well, here it is in black and white. 131.22. No, you cannot do that. No collating. Next, 131.23, when you find in a mail receptacle mailable matter on which postage has not been paid, addressed to, or intended for the person in whose receptacle it is deposited, take the matter to the post office. I'm pretty sure I actually did read that right, but the wording is a bit confusing. So basically what this means is we have exclusive right to the mailbox we're the only ones who are supposed to use the mailbox so if you see other mailers in the mailbox and they don't have postage on them you take them out so that could be the amazon parcel where the driver's too lazy to take it to the door they throw it into our mailbox that is not okay you take that out you bring it back to your supervisor if you see the pizza flyers that they're supposed to hang on the door and they put them in the mailbox instead, that is not okay. If they wanted those to go in the mailbox, they could pay us for an every door direct mail. So that comes out, that goes to the supervisor. And they can get charged postage due on all those items. So what you can let slide is like the invoice from the gardener. They just leave that in there and, you know, that's not a big deal. It's not mailable matter. They just got to leave it somewhere or maybe a note from your neighbor not a big deal. But again, that commercial stuff, packages, advertisements, that is not okay. It is not supposed to go in the mailbox. Next, 131.34. Delivery may be made to a customer on the street if it does not delay the carrier unreasonably. So yes, you can do that. Somebody comes up, hey, I live on the next street. Can you give me my mail now? Yeah, technically you are allowed to do that you're probably going to say no because it'll almost always wind up delaying you unreasonably because you got to take your mail apart. You know, it could be buried somewhere in the residual. You got to go digging through, see if you can find their stuff. And so you can absolutely say no, and you probably should say no because you just don't have time for that. But if you want to do it, you are allowed. 131.34 says, yeah, you can do that. Next, 131.36. This one is about making the save. Deliver first-class mail, undeliverable is addressed, when you know the customer's correct address on your route, unless other delivery instructions are specified on the piece of mail. 
So if you get something that's going to an apartment complex on your route and it doesn't have an apartment number, first class mail, doesn't have an apartment number, but you know it goes to apartment 722, by all means, put it in 722. But the caveat on here, it says, unless other delivery instructions are specified on the piece of mail, what that refers to is like ancillary service endorsements, where those people actually don't want their mail to be delivered if the address is bad. They want it back and they want corrected address information or they want that piece returned or whatever else it is they're asking for. But for otherwise, first class mail with no endorsements, yeah, go ahead, try to make the save. Next, 131.38. Oh, I love this one. Arrange with business firms to make delivery at or near the front door. Dude, you deliver to a furniture store and their office is way in the back. You got to go up a flight of stairs and that's where they want their mail delivered. No. They need to put a mailbox right by the front door so that you can go in, drop it right there, and then on you go. That's, and that is in the M41 131.38. The next one. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear that paper tearing in the background. There it goes. Of course she stopped. Oh. That is my dog. When I finish a page, I toss it off to the side, and she has just picked up the page, and she's going to help me recycle it. Thanks, Annie. You're very helpful. All right, moving on. 131.39. Make deliveries to all floors of office and business buildings if there is an elevator. So yeah, you got to go up the elevator. You have to make those deliveries. 131.39A says if there is no elevator in buildings with more than three floors, make delivery of mail pieces, including accountables, to the first floor. Make deliveries to the second and third floor if they're occupied primarily by business office and if service is requested. For deliveries above the third floor, if it doesn't fit in the mailbox, then you should use a 3849 or go to a designated location on the first floor. So if there's an elevator, yeah, we have to service everything. If there's not an elevator, we go up to the third floor and that's it. Beyond that, they got to make arrangements. However, if you're already delivering there, you can't stop. And that's 131.39B. It says, do not withdraw service previously inaugurated in order to comply with these instructions. I hope that tearing is not too distracting. It's very distracting to me. All right. Anyway, 131.45. Do not curtail or eliminate any scheduled delivery or collection trip unless authorized by a manager, in which case you must record all facts on PS Form 1571. I have a whole podcast about this. The 1571 says right here, you are not authorized to delay the mail. Only the supervisor can make that decision. And if they do tell you to delay the mail, then you've got to fill out 1571. Next 132.13. Except for mailing, except as in you'll take, except for mailing prepaid small articles. But you may refuse to accept articles when to do so would seriously interfere with your scheduled deliveries or collections. This one's kind of crazy to me because what do they qualify as seriously interfere? Like I'm on a park and loop route and it's kind of a pain in the butt sometimes to pick up parcels, but I still do it because that's our business is picking that stuff up. So I guess under some circumstances you can say, no, I can't, 
I mean, I guess I could see, like, if you're on a walking route and somebody's like, hey, I got 500 packages I need you to take, you know, hey, I can't fit all those in my satchel. Or maybe if you have one of those little carts, even with a cart, you probably couldn't pick up that many. So that might be an example where it would seriously interfere. But for me, in that case, you're going to have to call your supervisor and see if you can get somebody from collections to come out and pick that up or somebody on a parcel post route or, you know, do what you can to serve that customer. 132.15 motorized carriers collect from curbside boxes on your route letters with postage affixed if the signal flag is raised even though there is no mail delivery to that box so that's the quote let me tear it apart a little bit when you are doing curbside delivery which is also called out the window it's where you stay seated in the truck you lean out the window put the mail in the box when you're doing that kind of delivery If you don't have mail for a box, but their flag is up, you have to stop and collect that mail. That's what the flag is for. Now, what I find interesting about this is that the M41 specifically refers to curbside delivery. It says when you're doing curbside delivery, you have to stop when the flag is up, which means it doesn't apply to other kinds of delivery. So if you're doing sidewalk delivery where you have to hop out, put the mail in a box, hop back in, drive on, and you don't have any mail for that box, apparently if their flag is up, you can still just drive on by. I I wouldn't do that. I would still stop and pick up that outgoing mail. But it tells you that this applies to curbside delivery. So me personally, I'm on a park and loop route. And a little later on in section 371, it says collect prepaid mail from curb boxes when flag is raised, even when there is no mail delivery for these boxes, which we just covered. Collect prepaid mail from house receptacles when making deliveries. So that sounds to me like if I don't have any mail for that house and I see they got some mail going out, I can just walk on by and I don't have to go up there and collect that mail. Now, I still will. I will go up and collect that mail. But if you've gotten in trouble for, I didn't notice these people have outgoing mail and your supervisor tries to bust you for that, Well, here's your defense, right? And this is why it's valuable to learn these rules because a lot of times these rules can really work in your favor and it helps to know how to do the job the right way. Next, 132.33. Face or separate mail as directed and to the extent practicable at the time of collection or while returning to the office. All carriers may be required to face or separate collections on return from their routes if this is the policy of the local management. I've heard old-time carriers be like, oh, I don't have to put my parcels in the different bins. That's clerk work. Well, it says right here in the M41 that if your supervisor wants you to separate your mail, you're going to separate out the mail. But this is another way where knowing the rules can benefit you. On a recent episode of Ada Arbitration, Corey was talking about You know, you might hold off on doing some of that organization and do it instead when you get back to the station because the station is air conditioned and you're already suffering from heat out there. So if you do that, it's not optimal. It's not necessarily the most efficient way to do it, but it is provided for in the M41. So if you want to come back and do that back at the station, hey, I refer you to 132.33. Yes, you can do that on the dock. I don't recommend it, but... You're allowed to. Next, 141. All necessary equipment and supplies will be furnished by the U.S. Postal Service. It's pretty straightforward. 
The argument that rises here is what constitutes necessary equipment? What does the post office have to provide for us to do our job? And you can argue back and forth on that all day, but your citation is right here, 141. All necessary equipment and supplies required will be furnished by the U.S. Postal Service. Next, 224.1. This section is a whole system for how to learn a new route. So the first time you're going to case a new route, the post office has a system in place that they recommend for how to memorize the streets, how to organize your mail, uh, things like that. And here's some of the highlights. Study the case for 5 to 10 minutes before starting. So just stand there. Stare at the case. Look at where the streets are for 5 to 10 minutes. That's what's recommended in the M41. Then you're going to take your residual mail and you're going to separate into piles by street, by the street name, or by block number. And then you're going to start by casing just the streets that are on like the first two shelves. And so you case up all those two streets, and then when you get that done, hopefully you have that a little bit memorized, then you move up like to the third shelf, you case that, then you case the fourth, and then finally when you're done, the fifth fifth shelf or sixth shelf, and that's what they recommend. And honestly, it probably works. Uh, The way I've always done it is you just look for bundled mail, because that's already in delivery order, and you start by casing that. But this is the way the post office recommends it. And if your supervisor gives you grief for just standing there and staring at the case when you're on a new route, hey, man, that's what I'm supposed to do. It's in 224.1. Next, 242, carrier-endorsed mail. This is about all of our carrier endorsements, like attempted not known, no such number, insufficient address, things like that. And I did a whole episode on carrier endorsements. So if you want to learn more about that, I recommend you check out that previous episode. What's in this section that I find especially interesting is that it makes reference to standard A mail and standard B mail. Standard A mail goes into the UBUM, Undeliverable Bulk Business Mail. What the hell is standard B? Uh, Apparently it's something we don't have anymore, but uh, that's what's in the M41. Next, 261.11. Accountable items are keys, postage due, Customs duty and special services mail. These are the only items listed, guys. Gas cards, they're not on this list. So if you have to sign for that, that's not okay. That's not an accountable item. Vehicle keys, not on. Oh, well, it just says keys generally. So you, they might be able to get away with making you sign for vehicle keys, uh, unless it's generally accepted that this only refers to arrow keys. But, you know, other stuff that management's trying to make you sign for. They're not accountable items. It's listed here. Keys, postage due, customs duty, and special services. Next, 262.1. It says generally that you'll use a 3849 for accountable items or items that need a signature. But it also says, quote, usually prepare PS form 3849 as you make delivery. That's what I recommend. However, Enter the address in the delivery section on the barcoded side of the form for identification in the office at the time articles are issued. So this tells you, yes, you can use 3849s to mark your accountable items in your residual mail. And since we get signature items in our parcel hampers like domestic re- or international registered, numbered insured, signature confirmation then that means we have to go through our parcel hamper 
and pull that stuff out in the office if we are to comply with 262.2. Says so right in the M41. So then, boom, there's your grievance right there if management won't let you go through your parcel hampers on office time. Next, item 28E, Echo, 28 Echo. Quote, item K, under estimated work, the carrier must enter the estimated hours and minutes of the assistance being requested. End quote. So at my station, uh, for quite a while, management was filling out 96, 3996s for routes that were vacant. If they were going to have just somebody case it and then it all gets split up, they were filling out the 3996s, even though it clearly says this estimate should be made by a carrier. So I brought that to management's attention, and to their credit, they stopped putting the time in box K. That time is to be estimated by the carrier. So again, knowing these rules, you can help protect yourself and protect your fellow carriers and make sure that you have the right to decide how long this this, uh, auxiliary assistance should be. Next, 332.31. For any parcel that does not fit into the customer's mailbox or parcel locker, an attempt to deliver must be made at the customer's door. You have to run those parcels to the door. That's our job. Ideally, we put it in the mailbox. If it doesn't fit in there, we put it in the parcel locker. But if it doesn't fit there, yes, you take it to the door. And speaking of taking parcels to the door, 322.311 tells us that if the parcel says carrier leave if no response, we can leave it in an unprotected location. Carriers are not liable for loss or theft where these instructions and postal regulations are followed. Mailers who participate in the carrier release program understand that there are unsecured areas where the Postal Service will leave parcels and also that carriers will leave packages without protection from inclement weather. So they could get rained on, they could get blown by the wind. As long as it says, carrier leave if no response. Amazon packages all have this written on there. A lot of other packages have it as well, but surprisingly, Timu does not have that. They do not have the carrier release on their packages, at least not that I've noticed. So what happens if there is no carrier release? What if it doesn't say carrier leave if no response? Well, 322.312 says parcel can be delivered to a protected location, like a mailbox or a parcel locker. And if nobody is available to receive the parcel, leave a 3849. So if you have a parcel that doesn't have that carrier release on it, and you leave it, you're taking your chances. You could wind up being held responsible for that. You have to be thoughtful about where you're leaving these packages. Um, you know, we're in a battle against the porch pirates, and you want to do what you can to take care of your customers. The old school way to do it, well, that's actually the next thing I'm going to say. 631.1 regarding parcel delivery. It reads, determine if someone is available at the address by ringing the doorbell or knocking on the door. So in the M41, it's still old school delivery where you're going to go up to the door, you're going to knock, 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 and when the person answers, you hand them the package. Hey, I have a package for Jackson. Here you go. And you hand them the package. That's the way it's done in the M41. And then if they're not home, is there a secure place to leave this? And if there's not, you're going to fill out a 3849. And then the 3849 actually goes in the mailbox. 
And that comes up in the next section, 741.4. So section 7 is the one that's all about special delivery. So most of the stuff, you can ignore it. But this one talks generally about 3849s. If articles are accountable mail, such as registered, insured, COD, etc., or if the article is too large to be placed in the mail receptacle, return it to the post office and leave a completed form PS, a completed PS form 3849, place the notice in the receptacle. So you are supposed to put the 3849 in the mailbox. We teach it that way in the Carrier Academy. It's something I always make sure to point out. We don't leave the 3849 hanging on the door. We don't put it like in the door jam, anything like that. It goes in the mailbox. That's what you're getting paid to do. Yeah, it takes time. Yeah, it's tedious, but it's also easy and it pays well. So the 3849 goes in the mail receptacle. And again, that's 741.4. All right, there's only a couple more left. 812.2, observe all traffic regulations prescribed by law. Rules applying to the public also apply to operators of postal vehicles. So guys, we get no special privileges, and that includes parking. We have to obey the speed limit. We have to obey school zones. We have to obey stop signs and red lights and all the other regular traffic rules. And we also have to obey where it says no parking. You can't park in a handicap spot unless you have a handicap placard. You can't park in a red zone. All those things. Now, it is important to point out that there is a distinction between parking and stopping. So let me give you an example. When you're delivering sidewalk delivery where you stop the truck, hop out, put the mail in a box, hop back in, and then drive away. For that kind of delivery, in many cases, if you are delivering two doubles, two mailboxes together, they will be on a little hump in between two driveways. And that's where they put the mailboxes. So if you are going to your friend's house and they live at one of those houses, you can't park where those mailboxes are because you'd be blocking the driveway. And that is not a legal place to park. However, that is clearly where we are intended to stop to service those mailboxes. So stopping, you're there for 15 seconds. You hop out, you put the mail in a box, you hop back in, and away you go. That's stopping. But if you're parking, you have to park somewhere where it is legal to park. This is another one of those rules where, yeah, doing it right does take more time, but that's the way we're supposed to do our job. And if you take more time, you just make more money. You know, old timers like to say, what's the difference between a fast carrier and a slow carrier? Slow carrier makes more money. Next, 812.3. I'll just uh, rephrase this one. You can take off your shoulder belt only while you're servicing curbside boxes, which is that out the window delivery where you're seated in the truck and you lean out, you put the mail in the box. That's the only time that shoulder belt can be off is when you're actively doing curbside delivery. When you cross the street, when you go to the next neighborhood, whatever, that shoulder belt has to go back on. Next, 812.31. Door must be closed when crossing any intersection, when driving further than 500 feet, and when driving faster than 15 miles an hour. So, for curbside delivery, for sidewalk delivery, yeah, you can drive around with the with the door open, even for cluster boxes, as long as you're not going more than 500 feet, more than 15 miles an hour, or crossing any intersections. So those are the rules about the door. Next, 822. 
When the driver leaves the vehicle, the vehicle must be parked. To park the vehicle, curb the wheels, set the brake, put it in park, shut off the engine, and take out the key. Close and lock the sliding door to the cargo area. So that's your full process for when you're parking. Or no, it says whenever the driver leaves the vehicle, the vehicle must be parked. So yeah, when you're leaving the vehicle. All right, so anyway, that's your whole process. Curb the wheel, set the brake, put it in park, take, shut off the engine, take out the key. This is something you have to build a habit. You have to do this every single time. If you do this, you should be immune to rollaway runaways. You never know with these trucks, maybe something really crazy could happen. But this should protect you with rollaway runaways. And this thing about closing the sliding door, nobody where I deliver does this. We leave that door open all the time. It's just standard. But I got to tell you, you know, I've been reading these rules. I figured I'd try it. So for the last week, week and a half, I've been driving with that door closed. I just keep that door closed all the time. And honestly, I don't miss it. You know, maybe it's because the kind of route I have, I'm on a park and loop route. I don't have a ton of mail. So my buckets for Ubum, trash, and outgoing mail, they all fit right under the tray. And I don't, I don't know. Even if I had something behind that door, I couldn't reach back there and get in anyway. It's too awkward. So it works for me. Um, And now I just keep that door closed all the time. Yet another thing that I am doing to try to make myself discipline proof. Next, 822F, lock the doors if you will be out of direct sight of the vehicle. That's the rule from the M41. So when you're doing stop and hop delivery or sidewalk delivery, no, you don't have to lock the door. You're right next to the truck. But if you're leaving the truck to go up to somebody's front door, you're going to be interacting with them. You're going to be looking at them. You're going to be away from the vehicle. You need to lock the door. That is the rule. Guys, that's it. We just went through the whole M41. There's a whole bunch of other crap in there. There's this huge section about route inspections, and it's probably worthwhile if you're going to have an old-fashioned route inspection uh, rather than this T-Wrap route inspection. Honestly, it hasn't gotten to our station yet, so I don't even know how that runs. But these are your rules from the M41. If you do these things, it'll probably take you a little bit longer to get through your day. But you make more money. It's less that you have to worry about. And I guess I've decided this is my sign-off because I've been saying it every time. You make yourself discipline-proof. Don't let management mess with you. Don't let them tell you the way to do your job. The M41 tells you how to do your job. And if they tell you something different, you file that grievance. And here's your citation right here. Make yourself discipline-proof. All right, guys. That was a long one. It was tedious. Try to keep it a little lively. But uh, thanks for sticking with me. And I will see you next time.